this was um, melted ice. Well, why? I remember so vividly one day I was waiting to leave Blick after a shift and I had um, I had a grande green tea lemonade. At that point, it was just melted ice. And I said, oh, there's nothing like melted ice. And they were like, water? And I was like, no, melted ice. Because there's a, there's a taste difference there. There's a distinct difference, especially Starbucks ice. Exactly. I love, but I love to chew on ice. That's, I mean, I love a good chew on ice too. No, like but at I that point, it. I didn't have any more ice. That's why I straight up pull up to Starbucks and I will order nothing and say, I just want a venti ice water. And they don't give me venti, they're lying. I used to work at Starbucks. You can give them a fucking venti. Also, Blick, why don't you work there anymore? <laughs> Did you just say like, fade away? <laughs> The last time I worked there was actually really creepy. They said, like, we'll see you next time. I said, if you ever see me again, because I had to change my schedule because school went online. So I said, I don't know what my schedule is going to be like. So can you take me off for like the next week so I can figure that out? And then I went home and he called me and he was like, so for you to get the unemployment, we have to take you off the record. So basically, I was fired. But he this said, is all off the record, by the way. Yeah. This is none of this is associated with like its management or corporate office. There's not a. But he said, like, company. when we reopen, we'll call you, and you don't have to reapply. Blah 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 blah. But now they're reopened, and they never called me. So basically, Blick, where are you at? If you're listening to this, if COVID never happened, I was pretty sure I was going to get an internship, and I was going to quit. You were going to anyway. quit. Yeah, I was going to quit. I was texting quit. you last January. I was like, you only go to college once. Quit. You're going to be working for the rest of your life. Quit. So in a way, like, quitting, being fired from Blick, my life is a little better now, I think. Yeah, I unemployed and podcast. Exactly. Because you know. you know what? It is such a fun age that we're <laughs> at right now. It's such a fun age to be... Oh my god, you're 22. <gasps> okay, yeah. so first let's do introductions. <laughs> Hi, I'm Rob. Hi, I'm Geraldine. I'm 21, but Geraldine is 22. 22. As of two days ago. I don't have the soundboard As we're up. recording this, pew, 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 pew. Yeah, I'm not acknowledging any age past 21 until I'm like 40 or I have older boyfriend. That's like... A rich old man. <laughs> it's time to bring up Blackpink for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised this moment, like, hasn't come yet. But. So, um, it's kind of the opposite. But, like, in Korea, they have a different age system. You basically are one years old when you leave your mother. Rosé was so excited to be 25. In um, Korean age, she's 25. But in international age, she's 24. So, this year, she wrote how she's, like, half half of 50 in one of her Instagram posts. But then she said, like, next year, she'll still be 25. <laughs> She just wanted to be 25 for two years. I don't know. Because it's a fun number. Well. I I know you like the number 24 though. So. I love the number 24. I don't want to be 24. And I certainly don't want to be 25 because much like we learn, we're reminded of in this book is the last year of your life before you can die for free. <laughs> or you can like get sick. Well, that's that's not assuming, for free. Not that, for free. But that's like you assuming can get that covered. your parents have coverage. There are a lot of people who don't have health care. Yeah, that's true. You, you're coming from a place from a very suburban a place white man. Privilege. <laughs> 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 and that's another thing that we should say about this book, which we have not even said the name of, but it's called Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. Kylie Reed, yeah. The British guy, I'm waiting, not every day, but I patiently will wait for the day that he does come back to my DMs. 
maybe it'll be like a, a lost connection. You'll find yourself next to him one day by mysterious circumstances. Maybe you're obsessed with this babysitter that you hired and she starts <laughs> dating him. <laughs> you know, that would be like such a funny plot for a book. If oh I was God. like an insane middle-aged mother, father, and I hired a babysitter that I low-key became obsessed with because simply because she was like black. And then they started dating someone who's British and then it was my lost love from Britain. If you want to read a book like that, you could always just read Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reid, which is the book that we're reading today. I think we are very much primed to read this book because we're not like in the exact situation where she is because she's a little older. It's really a lot about like the healthcare situation, which is like creeping up on us. But like as people who are... We're, we're graduating soon. Like, this is a very, uh, listen, we've been reading a lot of books that are yeah, hitting too close to home. to our real life podcast, this is like, what if that character didn't go to grad school? He just became a babysitter. Yeah. Like, kind of. But truly the basis for this book is really like very smart and, and interesting. When I first was trying to understand what it was about. Um, it kind of covers this idea that with this like recent outbreak, I shouldn't say recent, but we all know in recent years, the like social justice climate and the power of social media, we see these videos that go viral. They're awful always, but it's always of like police brutality or this abuse of power. And the person who is the victim, normally someone who's black or person of color, like, they're not recording it. And if they are, then they are. But there's many instances where they're not. So it's like, who took it upon themselves to record this? Mm-hmm. And I think we're sort of taught by social media or just so, to be socially conscious. And we should all be a witness to these things. Because if people didn't witness these crimes happen by police, then they would never be prosecuted. And we wouldn't, you know, who knows what would happen. And in some instances, horrendous things happen. But this book flips the perspective, like, what if the person being recorded never wanted to be? Because they never ask to be. They never ask to be anything. They are just living their lives and something happened to them. Do they give their consent to be caught in this moment? And that sort of sets the tone for this whole book. Yeah. So Amira uh, is sort of lost. I mean, I think lost is just the word to say. She doesn't know what she wants to do. She doesn't know what she's good at. But she's found herself this babysitting job. And she finds herself sort of in love with this child like obviously not romantically but like this child means a lot to her and one day she's out partying with her friends because she's still kicking it she has a lot of fun in this book it is somewhat of a fun age (laughs) it's somewhat i think that's not really some it's like she's having fun like here and there but basically an incident happens where the the parents of this child need this child to be taken away from their home. And Amira takes her to a supermarket where she's sort of a victim of... Yeah, she's, she's a victim of racial profiling, basically. Um, and she gets recorded. Um, and she doesn't want it out there. And that's really just the impetus of everything that happens for the rest of the book. The book takes off after that, and it goes somewhere that I didn't really expect because 
when the catalyst for the story, you know, what's on the back cover that this person gets racially profiled, what now? It really happens like right in the beginning. Yeah. And you're meant to forget basically that the per about the person who recorded her. It's just this tall white guy. He sounds kind of hot. Well, not his personality, but you know, like when they're first describing him, everyone knows everything for tall guys, whatever. Moving on from that, we learn a lot about who hired her, who is, I think, just this, the embodiment of like fake woke whiteness. The satire of just fake wokeness embodied into a person named, named Alex, okay? Her name, her name is, is Alex. Her name is Alex. But part of this satire and part of what makes this book funny, because it, it is a funny book. Yeah. And I think why I'm going to say I like it is because it's like so comedic. But it obviously tackles like really serious issues from this perspective of like, you could just tell that the person who wrote this has real experience with women like this. And it almost is really funny to see how white women and white people will just run laps around to try to cover their bases to not seem problematic. And they'll literally do everything. But at the end of the day, it's like they're just so not self-aware that all the problems stem from them. Um, and she has a really interesting relationship with Amira um, that evolves quite quickly, yeah. which we'll get to when we get more into the plot. But do you want to talk about what about this book like we really liked or what we really loved? It was so unexpected. Like, mm -hmm. when I told you about this book, I was like, oh, it's about this white woman sort of using this situation. And that was kind of all I knew. It's all I told you I knew about. But it was very, like... I mean, this book ate at points. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I, I specifically mean? remember sitting in a doctor's office at the at this turning point in the book where something's revealed and I closed the book and I was like, good job, Miss Kylie. I was like pat on the back. Like she really was able to grip you in all of its twists. And there's there's two really great ones and in between it's cushioned with so much character description, yeah. so much character That's the other thing. I think this book is so good at characters. Like every single character felt like such a uh, almost like a, a hyperbole that it felt real you like you know you come across people and you're like i know exactly who that person is like every single character in this book you know a person like them and i think putting them all together and seeing them in like we we're saying constantly like a satirical form which i i i would consider this book sort of a an exploration of that because i think i mean life is very satirical and <laughs> you know, like, and we may just be like cynics on this podcast <laughs> but life is horrible but it's like funny yeah but like when you find the humor in it which is like to say like i mean horrible things happen in this book but when you see it laid out and you see like the comedy in like why do people act the way that they're acting like that's what i think this book is really successful in and it, it does that by sort of uh, archetyping these characters in a way that feels really real. Yeah, the three main characters I think it's most essential to cover is Amira, our main protagonist. Now, I don't think I mentioned it before, but Alex, who chooses to change her name to Alex, mm -hmm. which is something I hated about this book, only because I just can't. It's spelt in the book A-L-I-X. So I was just like, gonna say in my mind that it was... Alex, but no, it's Alex, and that's just part of her whole the whole satire of it. And Kelly, Kelly Copeland. I don't know why I remember his full name. That is his full name, right? Yeah. It's so like I feel like I'm going to meet a guy named Kelly Copeland. Like it feels so real. And he is the man. Starts off as the man we know him as the guy who recorded Amira getting racial profiled. 
um, but eventually evolves into something completely different. Um, and both him and Alix represent that same fake white wokeness. And there's really funny parts in this book where when we, like when we're saying like we could see these people in real life, like we have moments where um, Kelly, who's this man, is constantly, you know, talking about like, oh, he has so many black friends and he's always been friends with black people. And he shows up to the club and it's like, with five black people. Um, we have Alix who tries to make it very clear to Amira because after this whole racial profiling thing happens, well, she can't have this go, she can't have people know about this because her husband's the weatherman, he's a public figure and she runs a blog and she worked for Hillary Clinton and um, she's known as like the mommy blogger, like socially conscious. Feminist woke queen, let her hashtag speak. Hashtag let her speak. Like she can't have her platform be soiled. And I think she has never humanized Amira. I don't think she really values Amira before this even happens. Yeah. But now that Amira not only threatens her own reputation, because it's about her reputation, but there's also this part of her that feels like she needs to like, like so desperately like be liked by black people. And she sees Amira as a black person before she sees Amira as Amira. And that in itself is just racist because it's she can't even fathom why Amira wouldn't want the supermarket video to go on the news. And she says, like, I'm going to boycott the supermarket. And Amira's like, well, the other ones are, like, kind of far, but yeah. okay. And I think at the end of the day, what the white characters in the book are never going to realize, and something that this book taught me as someone who's white, I mean, I don't compare myself to characters like Elix and Kelly. I mean, I hope I'm not as fake woke as they are, but they truly don't see Amira just as this, like, girl who's like, listen, like, this is my life. Like, I'm surprised that I got racially profiled, I guess. But, like, there's nothing I did to cause it. Like, I just want to forget about it and move on. Like, I, this is not my identity. If you guys want to run with this, you know, I'm just 25. I'm just a student. I don't want my family knowing about this. I'm a keep to myself kind of girly. And guess what? I made it out okay. But for, it's just ironic that for a girl who's actually on the brink of losing her health insurance and is going through this insane crisis of not knowing if she's even going to be actually employed on the books in the next year that her employer is more worried about this incident that is sort of a daily thing that yes, these people have to consider. that's what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah. if you want to help Amira, then help Amira. Yeah. And no one sees that. Both Kelly and Alix are like, no, no, we have to do something with this video. And Amira's like, but what is it going to change? Like, maybe she could have sued them for money. Which, but then what's stopping someone from doing the same thing tomorrow to her? Yeah, and it's just like, guys, like, I actually have shit going on. Like, I live in this small apartment that I'm not going to be able to pay the rent for. And I'm all my friends have jobs. They're nurses. They're working in marketing firms. And if you saw that what I actually need help doing, which is, could someone just get me a real job? And the only time in this book that Alik seems to care about getting Amira a real job is when she offers her a full-time position to work for her, further trapping Amira as her her little possession chess piece yeah um not only does she have a black friend yeah. she now has this black babysitter that she like just it's part loves. of her family yeah she like emphasizes like amira you're our family now and she extends to her like well just so you know amira like i've read every tony morrison book and is like on amira's phone trying to see what music she listens to obviously that's an invasion of privacy which alix is really good at um, being like, how do I pronounce SZA? Like, does it? Like, and that's the things that the Easter eggs in this book that you can't not chuckle at because it's like, we all know that woman. Alix quickly becomes obsessed with Amira. 
uh, to a, an unhealthy degree. I mean, I don't think you could be healthily obsessed with anyone, but <laughs> it's like, well, if you go and stand Twitter, like <laughs> years um, examples. Uh, proving Let's just say Alix would be an Amir stan. I think it's actually really interesting what this book does is sort of opposes Alix to Kelly, which we haven't gotten into that far. But essentially, Kelly and Alix are mirrors of each other, but they have this history where they hate each other and they think that they're better for Amira in different ways. And it's, an, it's a history unknown to Amira completely. Yes. And that's one of the gags. And they are basically the same person, the same character. Two fruits from the same branch. Um, but they hate each other. And once they find out that they have this connection in Amira, they spend the rest of the book trying to take control over Amira mm-hmm. and sort of take her away from this unhealthy relationship when the reality is they're both um, horrible to her. <laughs> because we have Amira dating Kelly. She ends up dating him. And we have Amira working for Alix. Both of them are trying to prove to Amira that Amira's being used by the other. And this is all revealed at one of my favorite things ever, a dinner scene. Dinner scene. Dinner scene alert. Because <laughs> dinner scenes are the best. And it's not just a dinner scene, it's like a Thanksgiving scene. Because you yes. know like when you're watching TV, like the Thanksgiving Which is another thing to bring up, the history of Thanksgiving and then the history of Alix like bringing in a black person into her family. <laughs> you know, it's it's that funny little like, yes, we get it. I didn't even think about that. She's just so insane yeah. that... I was waiting, because at this point, the reader recognizes, oh, so Kelly dated this super racist, annoying, privileged, uppity girl in high school, and her name was Alex. Um, And then Alex is going on, you know, this horrible thing happened to her. Her ex-boyfriend from high school broke her heart, embarrassed her, ruined her reputation. So we're waiting for them to meet. So that's all I'm thinking about, right? It's not as explosive as, say, the dinner scene in real life. No. It's very, like, this book... Because it's about Alex partly, it's a lot about like self-image and keeping up appearances. And you can see that struggle in her a lot during this dinner scene where like she doesn't explode or kick out Kelly. They're, they're literally sitting at the table trying to have a conversation. And what does explode is Miss Brindley. <laughs> What's her name, Brin- <laughs> What Miss Acacia Brindley. <laughs> Briar. Briar. That's another thing. That's that's how she named her child. You know what kind of mother she is. Briar and Karen? Catherine. Catherine. In the the era of like Kylie Jenner and Kim Kardashian having babies for aesthetic, there's a lot of discussion about... And also the idea that a lot of times women feel pressured to become mothers. Alex never wanted a a domestic life. She doesn't want to live in Philadelphia where the book takes place. She's a New York City girl. Well, she went to NYU. Just like me. um, And perhaps like me. But she fully transplanted from, I don't know, Carolina or something. She was from Pennsylvania. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, Pennsylvania. Bucks County, I think. Okay, I love how you remember that, but not. What are you saying I don't remember? (laughs) No, I don't know, but like Brindley just took me out. Um, So like, okay, Bucks County. Um, She, you know, started like selling, 
she sort of did like pyramid schemes out of her dorm room and writing letters and she and... started reviewing products okay reviewing products so it was, it was one of those things that's like not a real job but like if you're good at it like you're gonna get make money doing it that's fun itself into and she blog. twisted it into a brand a whole brand and people like really respect this woman so she did not want her babies and i think that it's funny that just like the the multifariousness of like being a woman like she's a bad person and she loves her kids but she can't take care of them so then you have this babysitter who shouldn't be a babysitter but loves taking care of kids but no she can no she can do more and it's just like i don't know it's very interesting because amira really really loves her kids a lot and alix is a horrible parent um at one point i'm reading the book and she has a baby named Catherine who's like two and something really crazy happens. So she runs out of her she's house. She's so obsessed with the mirror. So that obsessed with the mirror that she has to, I believe she's on her way to talk to Kelly yes. um, to confront him and runs out of her house. And I know, I remember the chapter started with her. Oh, um, I'm holding Catherine, put her in the bed, blah, blah, blah. I'm running in the kitchen and then leaves. And I'm like, oh, the author like, did anyone edit? This? I'm like, but she forgot to say that like Catherine's with her. I'm like, obviously Catherine is with her this whole time. And then the whole scene plays out and I'm like, but she's not mentioning that she has the baby in the stroller. She's just with, and at the end of the chapter, you realize that she left the baby at home yeah. for hours. And I think that's a turning point for her as a character because she's like, what have I turned into? Like, what am I becoming? And rather than using it as a moment of self-reflection, it actually doubles down her obsession with controlling Amira because she's like, wait a second, I am a bad parent and my life is going to be better if Amira's here. But not only will my life be better, Amira's life will be better. And she decides what's best for Amira and that's the crux of her whole personality of what makes her such a bad person is that she decides for Amira just so everyone else is trying to decide for her what's best to do in her life and what's the best thing to do with this video. Yeah. Alix is a liar. <laughs> a pathological liar. And it's something that at the very end you sort of realize the extent of how her lies become her reality. How so? Well, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm following and I'm like, how? <laughs> Do you not remember that little like epilogue scene? Yes. So the lie of what? That she like loves being a mom. But no, she... no, no, no. Because she's with the kids. So she's so whole... obsessed with her image. When Kelly breaks up with her, mm-hmm. he, they break up because of a reason that is racially charged. Oh, yeah. Um, basically... She's home alone. Her parents are out of town. She lives in this mansion. And she invites Kelly over to lose her virginity through letter. Because... She's a letter writer. She loves letters. She's a romantic. <laughs> you, she has um, the best handwriting. But then the, the most... most twisted bitches have that most perfect handwriting. No. They have that bubbly, like their A's are rounded. But it's <laughs> tiny. It's like a machine. What? <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm just like, I see it so clearly yes. in my mind. The most like twisted girls in school, you look over to, I'm talking about like high school, I guess you look over and they're writing, it's like typewritten. Yeah. And it's like, ooh, like you're stone cold. <laughs> like what happened to you? That's the vibe I get from her. Like pin straight hair, a little greasy, zero style. She's that type of girl that wears athletic shoes with skinny jeans. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, she writes this letter to him, and all of a sudden, the most popular boy in school comes up. He just so happens to be black. And he's like, oh. His name is Robbie. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> he goes, oh, so your parents are out of town. Like, let's do something. Let's go over. And she said, no. How do you know that? Because the only person who knows should be Kelly because she gave him a letter. Um, so she goes up to Kelly and she's like, how could you show Robbie these letters? And she thinks that because he was so obsessed with being around these cool kids, um, which sort of starts his whole like fascination of like being in, around black culture, I guess. He saw, I think, at least when he was in high school and then it obviously evolved was like being in with the black crowd was like status yeah. kind of. Um, which is just weird because it just has a lot of weird. Where like Alix was like sort of considered like white trash. Like yeah. to him, I think like the total opposite of that was like being around black kids. She was like faux rich. Like her parents randomly got a bunch of money, but there was no. It was a, an empty mansion. Yeah. No, I think there was probably furniture, but the way it was like they went like, bankrupt eventually because yeah. they were spending more money than they actually had. Um, but like basically. She loses her virginity to him because they make up, but then Robbie shows up. This story is so funny. <laughs> Robbie it's shows so, up to the mansion. This girl was really trying to play. It reminds me of like this English teacher in high school who was insane. Um, starts with a K. Yeah. And she's like, you know, tell God your plans and he'll laugh. And she's like, at my wedding, we were supposed to throw purple flowers and then it rained. And do you remember what I'm talking yes. about? And it's like this poor girl. I mean, do not feel bad for her. But this poor girl um, really like wrote a note with a map. Like, come take my virginity tonight, my love. And instead... Robbie shows up with a bunch of his friends. And I they... mean, after they fuck. Like, yeah. she gets it in. Yeah. And she's like, this is our moment. And Robbie's like, no, not. <laughs> and he then... shows up and they basically trespass, which is like... Yeah. She's like, well, I'm calling the cops because I have to protect my house. And Kelly is like, don't do this. Like, what are the cops are going to think? You're calling the cops on a bunch of black kids. Like, what's going to happen? Um, but basically, Robbie gets arrested and he loses all his scholarships because he was found with like some drug or some sort. Her life gets ruined because everyone in school thinks she's a narc and she's crazy which like if you didn't already I love have how the reason. whole school is like we fucking hate this bitch like they all turn against she may seem like everyone hates her like, yeah exactly it's the week before prom it's really quite they they break fun. up they break up okay and then um she really like her whole life changes from that point on like all of her plans she was like you know what i'm actually not going to upenn anymore i'm going to go to nyc and she essentially redoes her whole life and every single incident that happens after that traces back to her breakup with kelly so at the end of the book we find out that she goes back at the end of the school year she's cleaning out the lockers because she has no friends and she has nothing to do and she's like part of student council or whatever so over the summer they made her go back even though she didn't go to prom like didn't welcome graduation has no friends i'm like God. she goes back and she's cleaning out lockers she gets to kelly's locker and she's like oh but she's cleaning it out and she notices that one of her letters is wedged in between kelly's locker and the locker beneath it like there's a little gap and the locker beneath it is Robbie's locker. So she knows that Kelly is not responsible for any of it, for Robbie finding out, blah, blah, blah. But she convinces herself that he has. Delusion convince yourself. And her whole life is hinging on that fact that Kelly has ruined her life because he told people about it. 
when he did not because it was an accident. But she convinces herself. She's a queen for holding this grudge for decades, but she knows it's a lie. She knows it's a lie, but she yeah. convinces herself. And she convinces the readers, too. Yeah. Everybody in her life that, like, Kelly was the most horrible person because he betrayed her. But he didn't. And that's not to say that Kelly is a good person either because we find out quickly that he isn't. We kind of meet him and we're like, oh, this is a, a guy, I guess. He's okay. Uh, I did not expect him to end up with Amira at all. But, like, you slowly figure out, like, he's just as toxic for Amira as Alex is. I think this, it's obviously incredibly relevant that Kelly is the one who recorded this video, which is the impetus for everything, like we said. It's even more powerful to the story when he comes back into Alix's life. It's like, whoa, now. So everyone's connected, um, and it does make you realize how toxic he is. And I think an interesting question to ask, as people who are non-black and, like, me as, like, a white person, like, would we ever have a say over, like, whether a video like that should get posted? Was Kelly wrong in what he did? Or... You know, do his intentions outweigh um, Amira's needs and wants? I think when you consider that question, it's the... You have to consider that, like, he actually did listen to Amira. Like, he deleted the video when that she told him. That is true. So, so, like, yeah. he, he took it because I guess it is a useful thing to have if she wanted to press charges, right? But she didn't. She just so happened didn't want to and he deleted the video unfortunately alix finds out about this video and she um invades privacy again and releases it later but amira did have a say and she told everyone that she didn't want it and the only one who didn't really listen was alix you're saying yeah which is true so we can give kelly a little bit of credit Except he did not delete it from his sent folder, so he got caught right Dumb. there. Because and I thought he worked in tech. Yeah, <laughs> and I just love so we did talk about Zara, but just and the one of the greatest parts of this book is how it does capture being young and just being crazy fun and having some girlfriends. And um, I love a book with a good bestie, like just the joint sleigh of a bestie. And Amira has a bestie who is just like her ride or die. Ends up being the one to get her a full-time position at a job that isn't fucking babysitting, negotiating her way into getting health insurance, and is sort of just like one of those people in life who obviously ride or die. And she's the one who is able to catch and sort of incriminate Kelly for leaking this video, even though she was wrong. Um, but we had every reason to believe it was him, because when the video ends up on the news, Amira's like, literally only Kelly has it. Um, which is heartbreaking for Amira, um, and their relationship ends because of it. But like we've been saying, through all of this, I think what Amira walks away with the most is that, wait, like, um, they're just toxic. Like, these people are toxic for me anyway. The way I've been running in circles to try to justify Kelly doing things that made me uncomfortable, like yeah. saying the N-word nonchalantly, even though he was, like, repeating a story. But, you know, not using it, but saying it he thought that was okay obviously it isn't and just other little things like him bringing her into this bar where she felt really unsafe she's the only black person there you know their relationship does end there but um it's cuts of zara and she she's a queen and uh it ends up being a leaks because she somehow hacks into everything i don't know what that bitch does but she found her way into the email yeah or whatever <laughs> well honestly it wasn't that hard because oh, yeah, amira forgot <laughs> to log out of the email and she's in <laughs> for me i'm like that was so impressive because i don't she gets into her phone, too, though. She's, like, reading her messages. Oh, but that's because this girl did not put on the iMessage option. Yeah. She's dumb. 
I like no, Amira. No, she does not have social media. She's very adamant. She does not yeah. know how to use anything. All yeah. she's good at is typing. Yeah. <laughs> she actually is quite antiquated. <laughs> she's like, I'm great at typing, but on her fucking phone she never even set it to the setting of like when your text pop up on your home screen like on my phone and how it's been and all of my friends forever just as i message so people don't know what people are saying because you're i mean, maybe i just talk a lot of shit so i don't want my messages popping up on my home screen so anyone can read them but like that's step number one and she doesn't even do that but that, that i mean it does contribute a lot to like her characterization it, yeah that's what i'm trying to like say this, like this book would not have happened if she was good at things like that yeah <laughs> It's so true because she doesn't even have social media and it takes place in 2015. Yeah. So Instagram was obviously huge then too. And all her friends have it. Um, and she does not. Uh, they don't even talk about Facebook, but who cares? I've never even had a Facebook. So at the end of the day, I think this book asks some really interesting questions, does them in a really funny way. Um, and I actually found out that, did you know that Kylie Reed was a nanny in Manhattan for six years? So, write what you know. Yeah, literally write what you know. And I love, that's my favorite like thing ever is when you're reading up about some interview with the author afterward and you find out what that this book is based in some truth or some personal experience. Because even though I guess technically all books are probably based on some sort of personal experience, like this one, yeah. so specific that yeah. she was a nanny. And in, I don't know if it was like Upper East Side or where, but probably like some white hamlet neighborhood of Manhattan. And um, this, you knew she drew this from personal stuff. Exactly. It was a good book. I had a good time reading it. No, it's a really good time. It's short enough, like for a quick read, um, very compelling. I think it's like 300 pages. It has a really pretty cover. Yeah. Anything with pink on the cover. They know who they're targeting. Exactly. Us. <laughs> Literally, like, if it's pink, like, I'll review it. Um, <laughs> this book isn't homosexual. Yeah. Transgender, lesbian, but it, or queer. <laughs> In any way. <laughs> it feels very um, homosexual because of the drama in it. Like, the twist, the turns, the reveals. If only Demi Lovato was in this book. Because we do Let's... know she is the member, a proud member of the Alphabet Mafia. As she said in an interview. In real words, she said, I am a member of the Alphabet Mafia. Like, that girl goes on Twitter and takes things, like, for real. <laughs> like, she wants to be in with the in-crowd so bad that she's, like... kind of like, like Amira, huh? She, so <laughs> she sounds like the when moms are like, would you say that I slay? Because they, like, see that people use it on, like instagram she's like really think oh, poor demi stream her album though because i don't know she probably worked hard the ariana song is good i didn't realize we were doing i'm just saying that listen if the book was more gay we wouldn't be talking about demi lovato okay i'm just this <laughs> for some reason like she's on my mind um but yeah that that was such a fun age read it if you um want to like laugh at how stupid white people can be bye right, guys this has been rob this has been geraldine <laughs> and this has been gbf gbf you don't have to sing one every one outro one we one have one music the way we paid for i want to say